House of Horrors is in Amityville, Long Island, an unlikely target for an evil curse. Amityville is a pleasant New York suburb. The name Amityville means town of friendship. The house that was for sale at 112 Ocean Avenue was a dream turned into reality for the family of George and Kathy Lutz. I described the house as charming the first time I saw it, because that's what I thought of it. You know, I was saying, Kathy, do, do you believe this? And she said, no, I don't believe this. It's a lovely house. We don't feel there's anything wrong with the house. The house is a, it's a, it's a happy house. It's a house to be, have a good time in, to have parties in. Everyone in the area knew that the year before, a family of six had been murdered here, so no one wanted to buy the house. The price was very reasonable. George and Kathy decided to ignore superstition and buy it. They settled into their new home just before Christmas. As is common with many Catholic families, Mrs. Lutz asked her parish priest to stop by and bless the house. This blessing began in the sewing room and seemed to set off a chain reaction which would jeopardize the lives of everyone involved. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan, Larry, Joshua, and the Illuminati herself, Miss April. And on today's super spooky Halloween edition of the show, the Amityville Horror. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It looks like such a pretty house. It's got a colonial build. It's three stories. I just want to play. Oh, wait. It's cold here. I can't get warm. I gotta chop as much wood as I can. Ryan, put your nibbles away. I can't. (laughs) Poke someone's eye out. (laughs) Those things will do that. So, I gotta ask you guys right off the top of your bat, uh, of the episode, I have to ask, have you ever been in a house that was haunted or someone said was haunted? I have not. No. My mother has. And it wasn't so spooky. It was, no. She said nothing ever happened there. Um, not, not really. My mom used to think at our old house, um, she used to think that there was a homeless man that lived in our garage, but there was not. I think it was just animals. <laughs> was it you, Larry? It was me. Damn it. Probably after a bender. <laughs> Yes. I am very positive that the house that I actually grew up in was haunted. It wouldn't be surprising because, for one, we lived right next to a graveyard. 
And I know there's a lot of people that can be like, oh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it was the homeless, homeless Gregory. No, um, I'm homeless, but I still go by the name of Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> it was close enough uh, from my bedroom window. I could actually read headstones, like some of the names on them. But uh, according to one of my neighbors, the place that we lived, that area was also um, a Indian burial grounds. I don't know how true, how much truth there is in that, but uh, it sounds like one too many neighborhood kids were like, "Baby, in an Indian burial ground." <laughs> that's that's. I just saw a poltergeist, so I'm gonna tell everybody yeah, no, that's shit. where we are. No, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> there was Gabriel. Outside of now, the, we just need Josh's Jamaican accent, and we'll be all oh, set. No, no, yeah, no. man. Oh fuck that. Anyways, the. Uh, <laughs> That stuff is is not quite relevant, but the fact is, uh, while living in that house, there was a lot of uh, I don't know signs. Mm-hmm. Like the there was definitely the being in an area that's like comfortably warm, like summer, and we didn't have air conditioning or anything like that because we were too po. And all of a sudden, getting this flash. Uh, of just sudden cold like it just felt cold and not right and you would get clammy and then you'd have that feeling that overwhelming feeling like someone was standing next to you it was it was bizarre mm. and that kind of stuff happened frequently and uh i hate to say it's because i'm sure someone's gonna roll their eyes but in my gonna be me yeah more than likely but you know what this is just when I would lay in bed at night, I swear to God, there were times where I'd be laying there and all of a sudden I could be laying dead still and then my bed would just start like shaking. Oh. And it happens it, when you, you furiously masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> there was no masturbation. But yeah, it just it, it would just start shaking and I would feel that cold air again. It just it that's what happens when your hips gyrate while you're pulsing on your, <laughs> your pud. Well, I'm just saying. That's 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 just I'm I'm pretty sure it was haunted. Why I, is my why is my race scooter bed shaking so much? Oh, I just got slimed. It's some ectoplasm on my cheek. <laughs> just trying to yeah. just trying to make it a little more Yeah. Happy. No, but yeah, that's just I'm pretty sure it was haunted, but I'm nothing you. nothing bad ever happened. I had the same thing. I lived in a house uh, for probably about two to three years, and um, all of my um, grandparents died while we were there. And um, not there, per se, but they were, like, there was a lot of death. We also had a house right next to a cemetery, and our basement was where I played my Super Nintendo, and I just remember specifically being like, oh, the dead baddies are... down here and if you point this way <laughs> and like they had the most un um uncomfortable uh wall because it was all like i don't even know what it would be it would just like it was like spikes <laughs> like if you ran into it you just uh, if it was a video game and you were sonic and you ran into it you would just die <laughs> your coins would shoot all over the room the house is just a giant iron maiden 
It felt like it in the basement. Oh, weird. But Typical um, Michigan basement. Yeah. I just remember specifically one day my dad answered the door and it was the neighbor and he was like, I hope you like living in your haunted house. And I wasn't around, but I just <laughs> heard neighbor it was Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Anyway, so scale, ladies and gentlemen, how... On a number from 1 to 10, scared would you be to actually have to spend the night in the Amityville Horror House? Easily, easy, easy, 10 out of 10. Dude, that's like a 45 for me. I've read too much shit on the Amityville Horror that even, whether it's true or not, I would be, I would just be shitting my pants the whole time. Zero. (laughs) I feel like me and Larry would get along that night. Like, you two would be like... We'd just be laying in bed holding mm-hmm. each other and shivering and, until and morning. Larry, I'd be like, Larry, can you check the fridge and see if we have any more beer? Yep. <laughs> We're out? Oh, God. That, that, that's, that's so scary. scary. That's that is when scary. it turns into a 10 out of yep. 10 for me. <laughs> yep. When Larry goes to the fridge and there's he's no like, beer. there's it's no beer. But there's no beer. But what are you trying to <laughs> Do we have snacks? Ooh, we do. Oh. Now let's be uh, honest. Let's, let's just munch on some. See, you and I would just—we'd be doing—we'd be sharing gossip while we braided each other's hair and play truth or dare. Now you guys exactly. obviously drinking beer, and April and I just kind of no not beer doing can anything. jokes. No, no, no. I was gonna say <laughs> obvious horror horror tropes say, state that you two would die. Of course, well, that's but fine. we live in the real world, so I'm not I'd too be, worried. I'd be I'm just sh- saying. I'd be blasted out of my mind. So if a ghost decides to kill me, I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> Boo! I'm the first one to go. We just know that. Boo. Anyway, so oh, so God. we Ass know our ghost ectogasm. We we know our numbers. So let's let's get into the history. Mm. Whoa, 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 whoa! You never technically gave a number. Uh, zero. Oh. Fuck that. <laughs> I lived in a haunted house. I'm not scared. What's gonna happen? Let me shut a door real loud. Ooh. Chances are... Chances are in I'm the so drunk in that house that if the door slams, I'm like, Josh, shut up. And I roll over. So if it's anything that's gonna, like... Unless it possesses me and floats me across the room, I'm going to be fine. So, on November 13, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue, a large Dutch colonial house situated in a suburban neighborhood in Amityville. By the way, Amityville, do you know what the that name means? Amityville? Yeah, there, there's actually a definition for the name. No. it's Well, it's a, like a suburb out of New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that right at the first clip. So, oh, I, I, that's... Did a, you not listen to the clip, bro? No, I never listened to me talking about <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I thought You're that was the name of the... You're a real Krispy Kreme, bro. He only listens when he's talking. Of course. <laughs> what? No, uh, so I didn't realize that there was a meaning behind it, though. No, it, it's a it's a friendship term. Like it's Aww. like uh, coming together, and ghosts come together. Ooh. My cum is black. <laughs> <laughs> you drop those, and I'm always like, "Shit, where do we go from here?" So it's on the south shore of Long Island, New York. 
everybody ever heard like a Long Island uh, accent? It's very Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. Uh, yeah, man. It's about to. It's, oh, it's good, Lord. <laughs> Forget about it. Josh, can you give me a southern accent? No. No? Not even going to try? Not even going to venture? I, I guess I'd have to hear it first. Beer can. There it is. <laughs> Chinese? I don't know how. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. What was that? Did you just have like a killer egg roll? I don't understand. It was a Chinese man stubbing his toe. Oh. Okay. Moment of truth. Obviously, if you listen to all of our shows, you know that I am god awful at accents. Yes. That's why it's fun to ask. Exactly. Me improving accents, you're just going to roll your eyes and maybe poop a little bit. It's okay. Oh, Lord. Check your oil. Um, So anyway, this Dutch colonial house was situated in a suburban neighborhood in Amityville on the south shore of Long Island, New York. Um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. was convicted of second degree murder in November of 1975. Now, let's talk about this sick, sad world that we live in with this horrible, horrible shooting. Um... This is a, terrible. This is a bad situation because this kid was part of a family of people who just did not like each other. Um, so they're Catholic. I mean, they were so yes, and Italian. So oh, mom, mom burnt the spaghetti a few times, and Butch was not <laughs> about it. Actually, he was a big LSD heroin user before this actually happened, and um. There's a million and different versions of the the story, but um, before we take a break, you'll get to hear a good um, before he uh, he hasn't died, but like it was kind of like one of those things where there were like interviewers like we got to get his statement because mm-hmm. we think he's gonna he'll go, crack eventually he'll crack yeah so they went in and they recorded a new statement from this guy which we'll play during the break. But uh, Butch DeFeo, which is Butch is his, his nickname and Ronnie his real name, and he uh, he's an interesting character. He's he's the focal point of this whole haunting. In some ways, he is the the uh, the main monster behind this Amityville horror series. Um, he killed, according to a court of law, he killed all six of them. With a shotgun, a Marlin 35, which, by the way, you can hear a Marlin 35 up to four to five miles from where that is. He shut a door, but nobody moved. Everybody was sleeping on their bellies. Every single one of them. Sleep on your bellies? Don't sleep on my belly. I do. Do you? Yeah, I can't go to sleep any other way. Apparently. It'll make it easy for me to kill him later on. It's true. Is that so that your fart missile is like (laughs) placed up... up in the air so you can well, just yeah, I don't want it to seep into the mattress and then that way it gets up and we can lift the blanket and I can hotbox my wife. Do you hotbox your wife a lot? That's Josh? rude. You know what? She does the same thing to me. Fair enough. I'm glad you're not denying it. Of course not. I just don't understand how you can kill six people without anyone hearing you fire a shotgun. Yeah, no kidding. Maybe another gunman held them, but supposedly 
and this is this is part of it. Um, the grandfather who had ties to the mob actually met Ronnie DeFeo before he was uh, charged with repressed on him, and um, that swayed him, according to his testimony and his later interviews, against talking about his sister as an accomplice and saying that he was fully in charge of like all the murders because supposedly Ronnie and his sister, his oldest sister had an incestuous relationship. Territory. Well, sister, uh, why don't you puff on my magic pipe? (laughs) I'm just saying they did heroin and LSD together. Maybe it was like puff on the magic dragon. (laughs) Wait, and how old were they when the events happened? Uh, they were teenagers, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, look, here's the deal. You're in a shitty situation at the time. You got to take care of each other. The best way to do that is to massage each other's sexual organs. With your mouths. Yeah. And your butt. JK, LOL. It's just... <laughs> okay, so the book... The book that was released later on after the Lutzes and the DeFeos purportedly this is based on a true story describes the house at 112 Ocean Avenue is remaining empty for 13 months after the DeFeo murders. Like I said supposedly Ronnie killed his whole family, all six of them. His dad, his mom, his four brothers and two sisters. Sick. Sick. So anyway... George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house for what was considered to be a bargain price of $80,000. That's me right there. Yeah. Bargain? All right. People die. April would ask if she could use coupons. Yes. (laughs) The five-bedroom house was built in Dutch colonial style. Five bedrooms for $80,000? Had a distinctive gambrel roof. It also had a swimming pool, a boathouse, and was located on the canal, like beachfront property. Oh, yeah. George and Kathy married in July 1975 and each had their own homes, but they wanted to start fresh with a new property. Kathy had three children from a previous marriage, Daniel 9, Christopher 7, and Melissa slash Missy 5. They owned a crossbreed Malamute Labrador dog named Harry. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the DeFeo murders and asked if this would affect their decision. After discussing the matter, they decided it was not a problem. Which I can respect to to, to be able to say, hey, we're a good good family. Let's just re-inhabit it, make it a pleasant place. Here's a story. Yeah, exactly. A man named Brady. We got a dog and we like to smoke weed. Let's listen to Pink Floyd. I'll eat your muffin. And we will have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just coming up with songs. So, anyway, the Lutz family moved in December 19th, 1975. Much of the DeFeo family's furniture was still in the house because Mm. it was included for $400 as part of the deal. You know what? I'll take it. I mean, if you don't have to buy a lot of furniture and it already looks good. As long as I clean the blood off of it, I'm cool. (laughs) And the cum. You know, they all came out. Yeah. Oh, there's history there. <laughs> teenage, <laughs> teenage boys, we came on everything. I know. It's so true. That's history, though. You can't, you can't erase that. 
Uh, no, never. never mind. Never tell the story. <laughs> a friend, of, a friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist, and no one, and and had no experience of what this would entail. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic and explained the process. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray who agreed to carry out the house blessing and um. Uh, in Anson's book, which is the book based on the um, the Amityville horror, um, real life priest Ralph J. Picaro is referred to as Father Mansuko. Definitely the best uh, captain of the Enterprise for privacy reasons. Why is that? Sound like Picard. Never mind. Good Lord, Joshua! <laughs> it's too late for you. <laughs> Father Mansuko was a lawyer, judge of the Catholic court, and psychotherapist. Wow, that's a lot of titles to have on your um, priest garb. Like the mother of dragons, the unburnt. I would say, yeah, similarly. (laughs) um, Who lived at the local Sacred Heart Rectory. He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on the afternoon of December 18th, 1975. He went into the building to carry out the rites. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. Record scratch. Nope, I'm gone. <laughs> You're on your own, people. When leaving the house, Father Mansuko did not mention the incident to either George or Kathy. On December 24th, 1975, which would be Christmas Eve, Father Mansuko called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice. The former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo that Kathy planned to use as a sewing room, but the call was cut short by static. Following his visit to the house, Father Mansuko allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands similar to stigmata. At first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house, talking about their experiences subsequently. They reported that it was as if they were each living in a different house, which is sad to think like going through that much stress to just look at your significant other and be like, do you know anything about like the voice that's like, get out whenever I try to take a shit? Like I sit down to plop a, like a cold Duke Duke and somebody's like, get out. And I'm like, I just, I'm trying to get the turds out of my butt, but that'd make me drop pretty fast though. All right, so we're going to go, before we take a break, we're going to go through some of the experiences of this spooky dookie ookie ookie house. Now we, do you, um, April, you, you're a fan of this, this, uh, this story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think I covered enough of the DeFeo murders to kind of get an idea of it? Now I, I mentioned the incestuous relationship mm-hmm. between the siblings. Um, the fact that he was on drugs, it was this very, aggressive, angry household mm-hmm. that, that they were in. Um, is there anything else that you want to add before I kind of dive into these theories? I don't think so. I think you got everything. Okay. I'll make sure. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna, I don't I'll, I'll be your fact checker I, for I the evening. I, I don't want to upset anybody because uh, we do a show that covers stuff that people hold near and dear. So some of the experiences experiences of the Lutz family at the house are described in the book. Now, I'm going to touch on the book. I'm not going to talk about the movie. That's that's pop culture. So um, books are similar, but this is this is a that's kind of where the meat and potatoes are. Exactly. So 
Every morning, George woke up at 3.15 a.m. Every morning. Um, he would go out to check the boathouse. Later, he would learn that this was estimated to be the killing time from the DeFeo murders. The, ho- the, the murders that happened before they took the house. Wow. The house was plagued by swarms of flies despite the winter weather. Kathy, the wife, had vivid nightmares about the murders and discovered the order in which they occurred in the rooms which they took place. The Lutz children also began sleeping on their stomachs in the same way that the dead bodies in the DeFeo murders were found. So their kids started doing the same thing. Was that a fart? It was a snore. Oh, okay. Same thing. Theater of the mind. Come on, Ryan. I'm sorry. I In my head, I just... Any loud noises just you just like assume farts. it's a fart. Yeah, fair enough. You should see my family on Thanksgiving. So anyway, <laughs> Kathy would feel I a know. sensational as if being embraced in a loving manner by an unseen force. Now, I remember hearing that in the documentary, and I think a lot of that had to do with her thinking that that was the mother, mm-hmm. the, the the DeFeo mother, was hugging Kathy Lutz, kind of embracing huh. her and saying, "You're going to be okay mm-hmm. here." Um, George discovered a small hidden room uh, around four by five feet behind shelving in the basement. The walls were painted red and the room did not appear in the blueprints of the house. The room became known as the Red Room. Very creative namers they were. Yeah. It's still... This room is red. Let's call it the Red Room. It sounds creepy, though. And one day that person became president. (laughs) This room had a profound effect on their dog, Harry, which, by the way, Harry, their dog, tried to hang itself the day that they moved in. Well, I've just seen too much here. <laughs> Kill me now, Kibberson bitch. Oh, oh, let me kick this stool out from under me. Hang <laughs> myself on the tire swing. There were cold spots and odors of perfume and excrement in areas of the house where no wind drafts or piping would explain the source. So it smelled like shit in certain spots. Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe somebody, Harry did, dropped the duke, duke. Did somebody trail something through here? Like, did somebody have chili oh, for breakfast? I just stepped in it. Yeah, nobody likes that. That's what we call the a fire. ghost fart. Yeah, that's, it is what you call. April went by, she farted, and someone came by five minutes later. <laughs> okay, so, while tending to the fire, George and Kathy saw the image of a demon with half his head blown out. It was burned into the soot of the back of the fireplace. Wow, that's creepy as mm-hmm. fuck. Ooh. Especially if you're sitting down, like, pre-coitus, like... Ready to get it on? You got- <laughs> Here we are, Mary. We're pre-coitusing right now. <laughs> it's just me, Dan, Al- uh, uh, man, uh, mayor of Allegan, Michigan, here with bend my girlfriend. Over. <laughs> bend over, baby. Did it suspiciously have blonde hair and look like it was a singer of Hole? <laughs> I guess we'll never know. So, um, the Lutz's five-year-old daughter. Now, this this is where it starts to creep me out. And if you watch any of these documentaries, which I watched two of them today, even um, when they get to this part, is always super fucking creepy. Um, the Lutz's five-year-old daughter Missy developed an imaginary friend named Jody, who was a <laughs> Jodies are evil, which was a demonic pig-like creature with glowing red eyes. Demonic. Do you know pig? any pig-like Jodies? Ryan? I... <laughs> Asking for a friend. 
That was like my favorite moment of this entire podcast <laughs> in all 70-some episodes. But I, I, I have to agree. I, I do, but I, I, uh, I'll i leave it at that. <laughs> so anyway. Friend of a friend. Yeah, of course. Friend of a, a friend. Uh, in the early morning hours of Christmas Day, 1975, George looked up at the house after checking on the boathouse and saw the pig standing behind Missy at her bedroom window. Ooh. When he ran up to her room, he found her fast asleep with her small rocking chair slowly rocking back and forth on its own. Sister Abigail. (laughs) Right? George would hear hear what was sound as described as a marching band tuning up or what sounded like it. So has anybody ever been in a band before and like people are tuning and like the music's all discordant Mm -hmm. or like a marching band? I was in the the marching band. There's like no cool way to say that. You know that? Yeah, I was in a band. It was called Nine Inch Marching. Hey, if you're in a, <laughs> if you're in a marching band, you're super cool in my book. Great. Hey, so especially if you have to shit near a Cracker Barrel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and going back to um, when you were talking about Jody, her pig friend. Um, <laughs> uh, there was also an instance where George Lutz, um, saw Jody outside the house, saw the red eyes like in the bushes and it was in the winter and he went outside and there were, um, hoof prints in the snow. Ugh. Yeah. That twist. Yeah. That's just thought I'd yeah. add that too. That. Cause that particular image like really stuck out to me when I read the book. It really creeps me out to hear that, but it also really creeps me out just the this this really got to me the marching band tuning mm-hmm. because I've been in bands so long and I know that that di- yeah that discordant like, like I hear I hear this music in another room in this house that I'm living in just like the concept of like things just sounding discordant mm-hmm. and like off tune fucks me up especially because in the movie I think they do something like that where it's mm-hmm. just like ear it just it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, George realized that he bore a strong resemblance to Ronald DeFeo Jr. and began drinking at the Witch's Brew Bar where DeFeo was once a regular customer. When closing Missy's window, which Missy said Jody climbed out of, Kathy saw red eyes glowing at her. While in bed, Kathy received red welts on her chest causing oh, yeah. caused by an unseen <laughs> force and was levitated two feet out in the air. <laughs> Levitation. If you were laying next to your spouse and they levitated two feet off the air, what would your reaction be? Pull them over and drop them on your dick. Really? Wow. Thanks, dear. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to already... save you with my cock. <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably push you over to the other side of the bed because you're always like three quarters of the way onto my side Chances anyway. Just... that's hot shit. <laughs> Chances <laughs> are those Krispy Kremes lifted you off the mattress for at least half a second. <laughs> probably. <laughs> We had homemade mac and cheese with sriracha sauce. <laughs> that is a systems a go. Larry, what God. would you Larry, what would you do if your wife was floating off the bed like two feet off in there? Knock it off, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Jeez. I've got work in the morning. Exactly. I don't need this psycho <laughs> I've got my own problems. <laughs> Spiritual bullshit. Um yeah, what would I do? I it, the it, I would hope I would not just run out of the room. 
I think I, w- I mean, I don't have that. So I guess if my dog was floating in the air, I'd be like, lady, <laughs> <laughs> are you a goddess? Are you some sort of weird thing that's lady. come to warn me? so continuing on we got a few more and then we'll close it out so um locks doors and windows in the house were damaged by an unseen force cloven hoof prints attributed to an enormous pig appeared in the snow outside the house on january 1st 1976 to add to april's Mm -hmm. point Green gelatin-like slime oozed from walls in the hall and also from the keyhole of the playroom door in the attic. A 12-inch crucifix hung in the living room by Kathy revolved until it was upside down and gave off a sour smell. Yeah. The devil. George tripped over a four-foot-high china lion ornament in the living room and found bite marks on the side of his ankles. Ugh. Later, this line would reappear in the living room after George had moved it back upstairs into the sewing room. George, this is cre- this is also creepy. This is very shining esque. George saw Kathy transform into an old woman of ninety. Me, quote the hair wild. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm your wife. Quote the hair wild, a shocking white. The face, a mass of wrinkles and ugly lines, and saliva dripping from the toothless mouth. Unquote. Well, I had my dentures <laughs> that night, and well, you know. <laughs> Missy would sing constantly while in her room. Whenever she left the room, she would stop singing, and upon returning, she would resume singing. What do you think she was singing? I got. Uh, I like big. Books yeah, I was just saying. I like. Lie. Probably something I don't know. It, it was, was in the, the 70s, 70s. She yeah. was like the Bee Gees, and I can tell by the way I walk. I'm in my <laughs> morning now. Time to talk. And she walks outside. Like, and then comes back in. You miss it. Oh, shit, you guys dropped out on me. <laughs> well, I think we had had think, enough at that point. I think you took the vocal lead on that one, oh, sir. So it. on one occasion, Kathy heard from sound, for, heard what sounded like a window being opened and closed through the sewing room door, even though she was not sure no one was in there. What's the... Can you sing the chorus to that song? Ah, ah, ah. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> It was good. Um, So after deciding that something was wrong with their house, they could not explain rationally. George and Kathy Lutz carried out a a blessing on their own on January 8th, 1976. George held a silver crucifix. What what day was that? uh, The day they did the... The date you just gave. January 8th, 1976. Eight days before my birth. Oh, mm-hmm. that's really creepy. I don't know why it's creepy, but it just is. <laughs> George held a silver crucifix while they both recited the Lord's Wait, I Prayer. I thought you were born in 1679. While... <laughs> that middle finger's for you. <laughs> George allegedly heard a chorus of voices asking them, will you stop? Wow. By mid-January 1976, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they experienced what would turn out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on the occasion, describing them as too frightening. 
After getting in touch with Father Mansuko, the Lutzes decided to take some belongings and stay at Kathy's mother's house in nearby Deer Park, New York. Until they had sorted out the problems with the house, they claimed that the phenomena followed them there. With the final scene of Jay Anson's book describing greenish-black slime coming up the staircase towards them on January 14th... My cum is black. <laughs> you don't want to deal with that, ladies and gentlemen. So on January 14th, 1976... Two days. George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog, Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving all their possessions behind. Wow. I would take my PS4 at least. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Here's some... Yeah. The next day, a mover came in to remove... That's what they did. The next day, a mover came in to remove the possessions to send to the Lutzes. He reported no paranormal phenomena while inside the house. Now, the book was written after Tam Mossman, an editor of the publishing house Prentice Hall, introduced George and Kathy Lutz to Jay Anson. The Lutzes did not work directly with Anson, but submitted around 45 hours of tape-recorded recollections to him, who were used as the basis of the book. Estimates of the sales of the book are around 10 million copies. From its numerous editions, Anson is said to have based the title of the Amityville Horror on the Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft, who we covered during Cthulhu. That story, The Dunwich Horror, was published in 1929. (laughs) Now, when we come back, I'm going to tell you why this is all bullshit. All they ask me is, what happened in that house that night? I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. There was a fight earlier that night. One fallen. So my sister, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Not a two years. It's not one years anymore. It's both years. We both agreed he had to go. So we waited for him to go to sleep. But we both walked in the room and we closed the door. Them doors are two inches thick and they're solid oak. I looked at my sister. I didn't have the heart to do it. I had to pump some courage up in me. I had a lot of dope in me too. And I swear to God, I had the gun pointed at him. He must have heard us or something. And must have opened his eyes, he was on his stomach. He must have opened his eyes and seen the two of us in the mirror. And man, he started to get up, I had the gun pointed, and just going through my mind now, boy, if he gets his hands on this gun, he's gonna wrap it around my neck. Boom, I shot him. Of course, the gun made noise. Next thing you know, I hear a shot. But I didn't fire it. He's getting up. He's starting to get up now, my father. I put a second round in him. It was mass confusion. My sister shoots my mother. But all I see is a flash, so I swing the gun over and fire a shillelagh shot. Now I shot my mother. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I said, well, you know, I mean, this is crazy. This is mass confusion in this bedroom. Mass confusion. When I shot her, she was dead. I mean, that's what happened. That, that was the end of that. It was over. None of the kids woke up, nothing. I said, look, we got big problems now. I don't know why you shot mom, but my sister wasn't scared. She thought it was funny. She was laughing. There's money down the basement. I had to take the money and go to Brooklyn. I told her, look, don't do nothing. Don't talk to nobody. Don't do nothing. I'll be back. I didn't wear a watch, but I always listened to the radio in the car. Always had music on. And I'm going to tell you right now, when I got to Brooklyn, the man said it was 302. I'll never forget that on the radio. That's when the killings took place. That's when my brothers and sisters got killed. God rest their souls. That's when they got killed. I wasn't nowhere near that house. 
I came home. Want to see them kids there? Oh, that was it. <laughs> That's where all that strength came in me and all that anger. I couldn't deal with that. I love my brothers and sisters. She's on the third floor. Look me dead in the face. Oh my God, Butch, what are you doing here? I says, what happened to them kids? Who shot them kids? Now, she grabs the rifle, puts it dead in my face. I mean, it was just split second I got that barrel out of my face. I get the barrel out of my face, I got the gun, and she starts fighting. Man, I grabbed her and smashed it down in the bed. I hit the, 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 the gun. I hit the lever because it was a lever action rifle. I don't know if there was a bullet in the gun or not. I don't know, you know, like I say, I left. A live round comes out of the gun. I shot her. Next thing I do, I turn around and standing in the doorway of my bedroom. Oh, me had a problem. There was a fight one time. He threatened to kill me and my whole family is a piece of garbage. He ran down the stairs. I don't know where he ran to. He must have gotten this car and took off. I don't think my sister did do it. I think did it. That's why he was in the house. There's no other reason. Why would he be in my house? So she must have called him up when I left because they were going to get rid of me. Well, like I said, I'm not going to let him stay out in the street and run around like he got away with something. The truth's always been there. I just kept the names out of it and some of the facts were really happening. But I've always told the truth about that. Always. Then they decided to charge me with all six because they couldn't find anybody else to put the murders on. Nobody wants to touch this because they want me to be the bad guy and they want me to stay in prison. They think I'm in here with horns coming out of my head. They believe I'm the devil incarnate. And I'm not. I'm something totally a million miles from that, if anything. You know, I'm sorry for what I did. What I did was wrong. Tonight, I'm at Cypress Hill Cemetery. One of my phone conversations with Ronnie DeFeo, he told me about this cemetery. Because I kept saying to him, there's something else missing. I felt there were more murders than the DeFeo family that no one knew about but Ronnie. Who else was it? So, you got a little bit of the DeFeo confession. Uh, Ronnie slash Butch DeFeo. That was kind of what he confessed before... Um... Before an investigator and some press, um, this would have been 2010, 2009. Um, is it's our most recent confession from him, but um, there's something evil about the house, and I don't want to. I think it's a residual scare type thing, and I'll get into that more in my verdict. But there's something eerie about that place, so. Let's start to talk a little bit about what if it was all a bunch of bull a shit. So, bull of the shit. No, motherfucker. The du- oh god, uh, that scared the shit out of the me. The cat just. Decided- I'm on my phone looking at actual pictures from the DeFeo murders, and she decides to jump on my. Oh, cat's about to get murdered. Yup. All right. So one edition of this book, the Amityville Horror. Um. 
<clears throat> has a quote from a review in the Los Angeles Times on the front cover stating, quote, a fascinating, frightening book, the scariest true story I have read in years. While the tagline states, more hideously frightening than The Exorcist because it actually happened. Now, that's the big thing about this book is it said, based on a true story. Based. That gives you a lot of leeway. But then, in the 70s, that was kind of slash unheard of. You know, it was, it was, it was a new... Someone's got to be the first. True. But at the same time, just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is supposedly based, based on a true story, um, this was new territory. So people that saw that movie or read this book, I mean... The Amityville Horror and The Exorcist were a one-two punch for the Christian right. This was something that made people go to fucking church fast as shit. They're like, oh, I, I, this is obviously bullshit. And then they go and see the Amityville Horror movie, and they're like, thank you, Father, for I have so many confessions to make today. It's not even funny. I like men, and I'm a man, and uh, um, what's wrong with me, Father? I'll become a priest. We like men too. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Anyway, so the roar, the the there, there's a lot of things to say about the debunking of this. So I'm going to kind of try to do a quick run through of things that I saw. But off the top of my head, their neighbors actually had a Siamese cat that would crawl up to the windows and look into the windows. Um, DeFeo, Ronnie, actually called the, the cat, the one the Siamese, the Siamese cat from next door, he called it Piggy. And she liked to perch at the window and stare at people. As cats do. Right. They do. Cats are weird. Mm-hmm. Cats will play with Legos all day if you, if you let them. <laughs> the role of Father Picaro in the story has been given considerable considerable attention during the course of the lawsuit surrounding the case in the 1970s father picoro stated in an affidavit that his only contact with the lutzes concerning the matter had been by telephone so he never actually went into the house Mm -hmm. it was all by telephone but it sounded scary Mm -hmm. you're in a creepy house let me hear it (laughs) sounds like buzzing of insects one of the most (laughs) One of the most creepy moments in the movie is when the father's in the house and then he gets attacked by insects, flies. Very profoundly creepy, buzzy. Yeah. And, they're all, and then also he, he was told, get out. Didn't really. Happen. Oh, well, that's kind of a important. Kind of a wet towel. Not a wet, wet dream, but a wet towel. Not a wet fart. <laughs> I'm trying to dry myself off, but I have a wet towel. Not fun. Uh, Father Pecoro's face was obscured during the interview to preserve his anonymity. In the interview, he repeated the claim that he heard a voice saying, get out. Can I get a Zanzizi BBB? Zanzizi BBB. Thank you. Um. So he's he said he he claimed he heard a voice saying get out but it stopped short of giving it a paranormal origin so there's no validity to it because he was never 
there. So he also stated that he felt a slap on his face during the visit and that he subsequently experienced blisters, blisters on his hands. Mm-hmm. All magic. Smoke and mirrors. Until religion. Uh, <laughs> we love you guys out there. <laughs> How about the cubbies, huh? They're doing good. Not so good. They've lost two in a row Yikes. to the Dodgers. So okay. the claims of physical damage to the locks, doors, and windows were, de- were rejected by Jim and Barbara Cromerity, who bought the house for 55000 in March of 90- 1977. Dang. Wow. 55 went from 80 to 55. In a television interview filmed at the house, uh, Barbara Cromerity Cromarty Cromarty argued that they appeared to be the original items and not repaired. The That's Incredible show. Oh my god, I remember that show. Also featured. They also showed the Red Room. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a small closet in the basement and would have been known to the previous owners of the house because it was not concealed in any way. The claim made in chapter 11 of the book that the house was built on a site where the shin, shin, shiny cock shin, shiny ah! That's a, the, the shin, shinnecock shinnecock Indians had once abandoned the mentally ill and dying oh that's creepy uh, this was a site where the shinnecock Indians had once abandoned the mentally ill and dying was rejected but that, that was rejected by Native American leaders. They were like, oh, there is no way, brothers, that we left our mentally ill here. Not here in the Shinnecock Peninsula. Wait. Shine your cocks. Twice yesterday. <laughs> I can't do it twice. I'm a dad. <laughs> Maybe if you did, you wouldn't be have so many kids. I already did it enough. Uh The claim of cloven hoof prints in the snow on January 1st, 1976 was rejected by other researchers because weather records showed that there had been no snow in Amityville on that date. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Neighbors reported nothing unusual during that time and the Lutzes were living there. Police officers are depicted visiting the house in the book in 1979 uh, movie, but records showed that the Lutzes did not Call the police during the period that they were living on Ocean Avenue. There were no bar. There was no bar in Amityville called the Witch's Brew at the time. Ronald DeFeo Jr. was a regular customer at a, at a place called Henry's Bar, a short distance from 112 Ocean. Now, critics, including Stephen Kaplan, pointed out that changes were made to the book as it was reprinted in different editions. In the original hardcover edition, Father Caro's car is an old tan Ford, and the experience is an incident in which his hood flies up. That sucks. That's that, that's happened. Shit. Happened to Aaron. Really? Yeah. The oil, the she got the oil changed, and they didn't latch it down. <laughs> so she was driving down the highway, all of a sudden went. Bloop. Oh God. That fucking sucks. Those guys need to get certified. Smacked on the hand. Old school style. Or a glove to the face. I challenge you to a duel. Mm-hmm. If you had to duel somebody in, in anything... Uh-huh. Stevie what? Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you asked me who I would duel with. 
That's oddly specific. He's oddly blind. <laughs> and very superstitious. In, in May of 1977, George and Kathy Lutz filed a lawsuit against William Weber, who was the attorney for DeFeo. He's also the guy that they sat and drank four bottles of wine with into the night when they planned out their whole releasing a book series and like making lots of money about it. I've had almost an entire bottle of wine. Yep. They had four of those. I've had almost an entire bottle of wine. Yep. For sure. So they got shitty and then they basically came up with the first book and um I mean it's everywhere. Any even even like the 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 documentaries that are like we're totally into this and like we get this and this is what Amityville is all about. They're still like, yeah, we got fucking annihilated when we came up with the concept of this whole mm-hmm. thing. Alcohol makes you do strange things. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Butt sex. In the anus. Yeah. Now, Paul Hoffman, he was a writer working on an account of the hauntings, and uh, Bernard Burton and Frederick Mars both alleged clairvoyants who had examined the house along with Good Housekeeping magazine. Um... They were all against uh, George and Kathy, who were the couple with the kids that lived in the house. Now, um, they had articles that were printed about the hauntings, the Lutz's alleged invasion of privacy, misappropriation of names for trade purposes and mental distress, and claimed $4.5 million in damages. Hoffman, Weber, and Burton immediately filed a countersuit for $2 million alleging fraud and breach of contract. Now, this is all scary. You got this much legal shit going uh-huh. back and forth. Now, I knew there was a lot of beef between those people, but just so you know, the Lutzes. Now, Jay Anson, obviously, since he wrote the book, that was the big deal. He made a lot of money. The Lutzes only got like 350000 from the book deal. It was not a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like compared to what it's not, it's made. not throw dollar bills out at the strip club money, mm-hmm. making it rain. Yeah, you're not making anything rain. You're just like, I bought a house, <laughs> or I bought a condominium for me and my wife to live in with my kids. I mean, it's just like it's not stupid money. It's just like I'm alive, money. Mm. Although I would love ten grand right now just to fall in my lap. Right. Anyway. So the claims about the news corporations were dropped by lack of evidence, and the remainder of the lawsuit was heard by Brooklyn U.S. District Court Judge Jack B. Weinstein. In September 1979, Judge Weinstein dismissed the Lutz's claims and observed its ruling. Quote, based on what I've heard, it appears to me that a large extent of the book is a work of fiction, relying in large part upon the suggestions of Mr. Weber, who was the attorney for DeFeo and also the consultant for the book, which is fucked. In September 17th, 1979, in an issue of People magazine, William Weber wrote, quote, I know this book is a hoax. We created this horror story, story over many bottles of wine. Unquote. This refers to a meeting that Weber said to have. So, Judge Weinstein also expressed concern about the conduct of William Weber and Bernard Burton relating to the affair, stating, 
There is a very serious ethical question when lawyers begin become literary agents. And now Weber was getting courted as soon as this trial started to happen. Like there was Hollywood. Hollywood was like, hey, wait, there is money to be made. Uh, mm-hmm. People, if uh, you heard of the exorcist, <laughs> people get scared of Satan. Let's make something about demons. I don't know what, what? The fuck was that. That sounded like somebody short circuiting. And who was like, that? That was Josh. Let me hear Play that, that again. again. No. Let me let me close this out before we go to our next segment. <laughs> I don't even know where that's from. I don't either. That sounded like he short circuited. George Lutz maintained that events in the books were mostly true and denied any suggestion of dishonesty on his part. In June 1979, George and Kathy Lutz took a polygraph test relating to the experiences at the house. The polygraph tests were performed by Chris Gugas and Michael Rice, who at the time were reportedly among the top five polygraph experts in America. The results, in Mr. Rice's opinion, did not indicate lying. In October 2000, the History Channel broadcast Amityville The Haunting and Amityville Horror Hoax, a two-part documentary made by horror screenwriter producer Daniel Ferens to mark the 25th anniversary of the case. George Lutz, George Lutz commented in an interview in the program and said, quote, I believe this has stayed alive for 25 years because it's a true story. It doesn't mean that everything has, that has ever been said is true. It certainly is not a hoax. It's really easy to call something hoax hoax i wish it was it's not unquote so to kind of round this out i'll say the debate about the accuracy of the amityville horror continues it is scary regardless if one of those things happened i would just shut my butt quick and run right out the door just saying interesting that your butt would need to be shut we did we did the we did the (laughs) We did the butt ghosts episode. Remember the farting? It was like scary farts. Mm-hmm. The Valentine's Day episode, wasn't yeah. it? I'll yeah. I think my fart sound weird. I'm just saying, like, it just, it seems, it, it, it's just creepy. So, um, the debate about it is obviously it continues. There's a lack of evidence to corroborate. corroborate. I, I'm not saying that every single time now, just out of like <laughs> hearing this show. Corroborate. <laughs> you did it right once, Ryan. The various owners of the house since the Lutz family left in 1976 have reported no problems. So, yeah, nobody. exactly. And uh, James Cromarty, who Cromarty. Bought, Cromarty, who bought the house in 77 and has lived there with his wife Barbara for 10 years, commented, quote, nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by the house to because of the book and the movie and that is it ladies and gentlemen that's the amityville horror you know the defeo story you know the lutzes so let's take a brief sojourn to the internet excuse me a what a sojourn sojourn Sojourn. Sojourn. my bottom bottom lips broken fair enough and uh let's look into some yahoo answers All right, now, uh, when I looked up on Yahoo Answers, <laughs> someone had asked, um, they were thinking that they may have been possessed by a demon. Uh, hold on, let me find it. 
possessed by a demon. Yes. Is that like touched by an angel? Or touched by an uncle. That show didn't last long. Three episodes in and it was canceled. Mm-hmm, it was. Three Touch- knuckles deep and it was canceled. Somebody was touched by an angel? Inappropriately. No one ever expects it from an angel. Maybe a California angel. Maybe. All right. So this uh, person says, I used to dabble in Uh (laughs) tarot cards. Oh, Lord. And ever since I quit doing that, I feel like there is something evil inside me. Ew. Right. I can't explain it, but when old women look at me, they start making the sign of the cross. Oh, my lord, you need a blessing, you do. And I feel sexually attracted to things that I should not be. Like me. <laughs> what are <laughs> what are some symptoms of demon possession? Sexually attracted, be- sexually attracted to something you shouldn't be? Is that like that's a candle? Just, or I like don't know. A, I think that's stapler sexy. <laughs> sexy stapler. I always get confused when the people talk about like the woman that married the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck are you going to... Yeah. So... How do you consummate that marriage? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, videos of a girl straddling a shifter in a car? Just a little bit more painful than that. I'd imagine. Mm. I never click on those, but I guess I found somebody <laughs> who does. Two people. All right. All right. So, well, I guess so, go April. Got my homework. Yeah. Uh, cool Air 74 replied, the religious often mistake paranoid schizophrenia for demon possession. <laughs> you know what? That is, is, I last, but yeah, it makes sense. Fairly accurate. It can manifest in several ways. Consult the Journal of Diagnostic Medicine. I think the insanity uh, defense stops being insane when somebody says, I'm so inspired by the Lord. I'm a crazy bitch. <laughs> and then says, I love Jesus after that. And you're right. like, oh, let's give him some chips. Let's give him Let's give him a pat on his little head. Sure. Rub right. his tummy. Let's rub his tummy. Let him watch Bubble Guppies, and he'll be okay. Okay. Uh, Kyleister responded. I guess. I guess you can go to a Catholic priest to bless you, or spiritualist to remove that demon inside you. There's one thing I want removed. It did (laughs) exactly. If you were in an occult before, I tell you there is no easy way out. I had an ex who had a devil worshiper uncle, and she told me ever since her uncle died, power were passed on to her and possession takes place. You got to read Psalm 91, and you need to accept Jesus without a doubt. Maybe, maybe, maybe his uncle was... um. I do not accept. <laughs> maybe he was... Uh, can't think of the word. Anyways, go on. Okay. Uh, Nick responded, I am possessed by a demon. So that's good. Uh, At least he knows what's going on. Right. Um, an anonymous user posted, you have a sudden urge to bitch slap some guy named Gaius who died 1900 years ago in Ephesus. You may not know him from Adam, but your demon still holds a grudge for that big poker night. <laughs> Fair enough. So... I'm sorry. It, I, I mean, here's the thing. When, whenever we delve into Yahoo Answers, I have to wonder, like, half-heartedly, 
are these people actually invested in what they're asking or are they just I like think some people just I think some people just bullshit because yeah. it's funny I think so too uh, Royal Racer Hellgrave that's like powerful winner, right uh, said some have the ability to know if one is possessed by looking into their eyes uh Another anonymous user wrote, listening to Justin Bieber and finding Herman Cain attractive is a symptom of being possessed. Mm. Fair enough. Godfather pizza. Good shit. Is it? Right? I've never had it. I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I just We're just sponsored by them. I just love it. Actually, if you, you Godfather pizza, if you'd love to sponsor the show. Please do. Yes, please. For the love of I Jesus. Will, yes. I will. Yes, I will totally t- butter up uh, Herman Cain. And then the final answer, uh, Al Roach, I guess. Al. Roach. Spelled with four H's. Yeah. She sees something very scary in the look of my eyes, which she can't explain to me for now since I'm a bit too young. I don't know what the hell that means. That disturbing look is due to a thing called zealotry, not demons. (laughs) So I think we can pretty much debunk demon possession. Schizophrenia. And that's been your your Yahoo Answers. Thank you, Miss April. Um, I think when you get this far into this episode, you all need to get an ice cold, tasty pop soda. It's time for the Pop Culture Minute with Josh! Sonic Boom! Oh, nothing funny after that, I see. You had to hit your music. Oh. One of these days, I hope you play Top Guns. Yeah. I like I this. I, don't, I think I tried to download this after our last episode. I was like trying to write it the, the name of the band. <laughs> I like the keys. These are cool. Well, so, um, yeah, like Ryan had said before, like there's, there's the book that came out, uh, based on Jay Anson's novel. But, um, now this is, I was kind of surprised by reading this. I didn't realize, cause I knew about the original 1979 Amityville horror movie. Uh, and then I knew about the 2005 Amityville Ryan Reynolds film, but I guess in my stupidity, I didn't realize that there was more. A lot more. These movies have been coming out steadily every couple of years, even up to last year, 2016. There are 14 Amityville films. Now, of course. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you got The Possession, The Evil Escapes, uh, A New Generation, Dollhouse, which April would probably hate. That's actually, fun fact, the only one I have not seen. <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising. April has a thing about little dolls. I what, do. What happens if you guys watch a movie about clown dolls? Do you both just like in, like turn inside out and like shoot? Pretty much. We hide under the blankie together. Aww. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to see the clown doll. <laughs> well, what if he gets out there and he talks like Larry and you just laugh? I mean, if it looks like Larry. <laughs> Larry the clown doll? Well, I got a platinum at being scared of children's toys. <laughs> yeah, April. 
I'm just saying, Larry the Clown Doll this season. So, Mattel, pick that make up. Make it happen. We'll make it a comedy. <laughs> Uh, the house, the house itself, and whatnot has been kind of uh, referenced here and there. There was a um, episode of CSI New York, um, episode in two thousand seven uh, on Halloween, broadcasted. Uh, it was entitled "Boo," <laughs> and, it, and fe- it featured a house in Amityville where a family had died in circumstances similar to the DeFeo murders. Uh, damn. Oddly enough, uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention this uh, before. The gentleman, Peter O'Neill, who lived in the house from 87 to 97, was one of the victims of September 11, 2001. Wow. That's an awesome fact for you to bring up. I mean, unless you're him. No, no, it's not an awesome. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) R.A.P. But no, I I really appreciate the fact you would bring that up. And also, actress Christine Belford was the owner of the house from 1916 to 19, 1965. And she's the one who sold the house to the DeFeos. Hmm. Yes. So, um... There's still an uh, obvious draw to the house. In August 21st, 2010, uh, the owner of the house was doing a moving sale. And apparently hundreds of people showed up. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to see it though? Like if you live, if we say like three or four streets from where we are right now, you could just take like maybe a ten minute drive and you'd show up there. Would wouldn't you? Maybe see I, it? I I don't know. I guess I wouldn't mind seeing it from the outside, but I wouldn't be crazy about going in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that went to the house for this moving sale, they were allowed to go inside the house. However, they were not allowed to visit the upstairs rooms or the basement. Probably didn't clean. Right, so I don't let people in certain rooms of my house. I would say it was probably what it was, or it was like an undisturbed type thing. Like Mm -hmm. he he bought the house, a lot of furniture in there, and he was just like, "I don't need somebody going downstairs and writing another fucking shitty ass Amityville book." (laughs) Now I wrote a goosebumps about the scary (laughs) clown doll downstairs. Something else I I found about I thought that was kind of interesting. Over the years, they've actually. because of people that have lived there, they didn't. They wanted to discourage people just coming by to see the house. They've actually contacted their local post office to change the number of the house. So instead of being the normal um, one twelve or whatever one twelve, it changed six six six. They should have. No, they changed it like to the four hundreds and whatnot, which I don't. Understand? It, cha- it turned to 412 Ocean Avenue. Hmm. So they've been wow, trying to discourage that people. Four going made to it see. so much safer, <laughs> right? Somebody I just, just drove by the mailbox and like clicked it a. Yeah, I know right? a number four on there. Should be 420. I, I guarantee you, there's like six or seven mailmen that were like, "Uh, the 400 block is way over here." I'm confused. <laughs> this is this is fucking stupid. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's uh that's all I have. 14 movies, people. Yeah. Additionally, uh, Eminem actually on the Marshall Mathers LP wrote a song called Amityville. I was going to actually end with. Oh, well, good. So you'll hear it at the end of the show. Excellent. It's time for us to weigh in, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's time for us to get a verdict. In one corner, four podcasters you trust more than anything in your entire life. That's a bad decision. <laughs> I swear by it, but that's just me. Nah, we wouldn't steer you wrong. We're part of the. I'm part of the four. In the other corner, we got a house <laughs> and uh, a bunch of ghosts. terrible doctor. What you got, house? We got a house that's like ah 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 ah. We have to decide. Was that shit really haunted? So, in order to start our verdict, I have to ask my main man to my left. Do you really think? I want to go last. All right. You're the host. You get to pick who goes first or last. I'll just go first because that's usually what that means. Everybody just wants (laughs) a chance to think about it. Which I wish I could have gone last because I do have some things to say. So, in doing the research for this, I think that... What do they call it? Um, I think it's... Um, when something super tragic happens in a house... Especially when like six lives get ended in one night. Mm -hmm. There's um, some aftermath. Um, They died in a house with the heat on in the winter. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why there were flies there. All the furniture was still there. Yeah, they might have cleaned the blood off. But come on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. There's a reason that things were so grim. I think it is haunted. Whoa. I think it's a different type Took a of hard, a hard right there. Yeah, from... I did. I don't think it's Walt Disney World cryogenically frozen. Michael Jackson is still alive. Crazy off the charts haunted. I think it's like just regular haunted. I think oh, I think it, I think enough. the media font finally found something they could capitalize on and and like raise the stakes because they knew there would be some weird shit. But I think it's like it's regular haunted. It's 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 a place that has ghosts. It's like Gettysburg, and that's what I got to say. A- anything else that I have to say about it is really just going to be. I mean. I would love to see it, but um, I can't. I can't. I can't assume that I know for sure that there are ghosts out there, and that's really the thing. I tried really hard with this one. I wanted it to be super profound when I talked about it, but I just think it's one of those weird chances where there's something that is just actually legitimately creepy. So who's next? All right, that's up to you. Josh doesn't get to make that decision. Okay, I'll go next. Trust me, he tries to change the rules of the game I made. (laughs) So that he can win. You give unfair advantages sometimes. (laughs) Uh, First and foremost, yes. I think it is haunted. I have seen over the years lots of pictures that people post of uh, haunted homes and graveyards and 
stuff like that. And the picture that was taken by that news crew and it shows the little boy sitting on the staircase is one of the most profound and scary pictures I've ever seen. I will say that the they call it a residual haunting when a big tragedy... Secondhand haunting? <laughs> when a big tragedy happens... That's what that's called. But yeah, go. Well, ahead. and actually, to interject too. Sorry, I'm not trying to horn no, in fine. on your. Um, but they've Josh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, pretty much. That's ah. what that means in in wife ah. language. Ah. Um, no, when they, if you look at that picture and then compare it to a picture of, pardon me, I can't remember his name. Um, the youngest DeFeo, George, son. No, Biff. Sure. Um, they actually are very similar. Yes. The, the picture of the little boy, the, the little ghost boy, and the youngest DeFeo son that was murdered. They're very, very similar. Yep. Yeah, I was actually just looking at before we started recording, and it's this, the similarities are very striking. Uh, I think that despite the fact that we know that the oldest, he was on uh, drugs and whatnot. Heroin. And... It's not a baby drug. It, well... I, I don't know the 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 thought of going through and just killing your whole family with a shotgun. I, I mean, I've been on drugs and I've never felt like I needed to kill people. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a mental illness happening there as well, but or maybe he was being possessed and that's what caused him to do it. There's a lot of evil energy I feel in that home, and uh, the fact that yes, there are some discrepancies in the. Uh, the second family that was there, you can't discredit the fact that there was still some strange things happening. And so that's why I think that um, that all happened. And, you know, the locals, they, they don't like to talk about it, but maybe it's because there is something there that they... <laughs> That they don't want to, they don't want people being drawn there because it's already really negative and whatnot. So, you know what? I'm sorry, but yeah, I just I feel like I yes, it's haunting. <laughs> um, here's my thing. I do I think that uh, Anson's book definitely took some very large liberties with the Lutz's original story. Absolutely, because that's what authors do. Um, and especially being based on a true story, you know, he's trying to sell books and scary stories sell books. Um, but I do believe that some of the events that were in the book did happen, um, especially because, you know, with them taking the lie detector test and the pictures that I've seen. Yeah. Do I think? DeFeo was possessed? No, I do not. Um, drugs and schizophrenia will fuck you up and make you do crazy, crazy shit. But um, I'll say, yeah, I think the house is haunted. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the guy sounded like a bullshit artist of the best kind. Mm -hmm. Super bullshit artist. Blamed it on everybody and everything. Except himself, because why take responsibility of something like that, right? So, as far as the murder goes, douchebag killed his family. Probably schizophrenic, like you're saying. He's on drugs, etc. Now, as far as the house being haunted, no. Grow up. Come on. <laughs> Sounds like the book was a big bullshit thing, too. So, that's what I think. Not haunted. 
And that's been your verdict, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I guess it's time for us to get quizzical. Let's get quizzical. Right, you group of spazzes. Time to get, ah! time to get quizzical. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know you guys will all love this because we're doing horror movie trivia. Yes. Oh, Ryan's gonna win. Ryan just like went into a different land. He went to his happy place. <laughs> he ectoplasmed in his pants. Yep. He did. <laughs> in the classic horror movie Psycho. How much money did Marion Crane steal? Josh. Josh. $250,000. That is incorrect. You're off by not quite that much, but pretty close to that much. Ryan? Ryan. I want to say 50. Oh, you were off by about $10,000. Hold on. I'm trying to do math in my head. I know. $210,000? That's incorrect. The answer is $40,000. I knew it was lower than a lot. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what were the children allergic to in the film The Others? That's the r- most recent movie. 2001. Oh, Ooh, I love that movie. Apparently not that much. <laughs> April. April. Peanuts. Penis? <laughs> That's incorrect either way. You said alerted to? The allergic to. Two. Oh, sorry. Ghosts. <laughs> I mean, what would a vampire be? Josh. Garlic. <laughs> the answer is sunshine. Damn, Larry's got two <laughs> points. I got two points right away. Wow. I guess I have to go to the kitty corner here. Yeah, what maybe. was the full title of the third movie about Freddy Krueger? Ryan. Uh, the ni- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Warriors. That is correct. Nice. Ryan won. All right, here we go. Question number. When did the original Japanese version of the ring come out? Ryan. Ryan. 2001? No, that's a little older than that. Josh. Josh. 2005. He said older. That's way older. <laughs> oh. Um, April? April. 1996. 1998. Gosh, you didn't realize I was playing with amateurs here. I guess. Three to me, one to Ryan. This one's worth four points. Question number five. This is the most kitty one I could find. Who killed the teenagers at Camp Crystal Lake? April. Josh. Jason Voorhees. A win you should never, ever, ever be Whoa. proud of. A win, nevertheless. Are you talking? I'm sorry, but 
He's about to get technical. Well, technically. 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 It was Pam Voorhees, which I said it before you, so. There's the answer. Jason Voorhees, that's what I'm going by. I mean, technically, I got a this bad is bullshit. We'd do a video game quiz, then Josh will win, or uh, no, April will win, I hope. <laughs> yeah, well, that's there, all right. There you go. Win, no one should be proud of. It's okay. You know what? No, I don't. It's all good on the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast, which you can find on Facebook, Twitter at Conspiracy T Show, and also email us because you know what, guys? Next week. Our next episode is literally our Halloween special two, which sequels to original episodes. We got to get big. We got to go mm-hmm. big. Okay. We go big or we, we go home. Made so much money on the first one that we have to do a sequel. <laughs> we do. We're going to get annihilated. Mm-hmm. Literally the movie annihilated. We're going to hang out. I'm going to say some shit. I'm sure. Yo, yeah, this thing is going to fill my soundboard up for sure. And Larry and I are just going to be happier than clams producing Can pearls. clams be happy? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. You know the actual, the full phrase is happier than a clam at high tide. Hmm. Fun fact. Oh, the more you know. Just so everyone knows. I'm glad I heard that. Um. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to check us out, that's our show. We have t-shirts that we could sell if you want them and i've talked about this but i think 25 bucks in 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 the state if you want to buy one and then maybe we'll figure out international costs later but if you want to do that that's a good donation to us and it's also a t-shirt for you so if you're interested please send us a message on facebook or at our gmail conspiracy therapy show gmail.com or if you want to be a cute little doll, you'll rate and review us on iTunes, and that's our thing. So, Josh, where are you in and out here? Stiff Joystick Podcast. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Podbean. And, of course, you can find all of us, usually, on the Potty Slam Podcast. We are a wrestling historical podcast. We talk about tales from the locker room and beyond. It's fascinating, and mostly it involves poop. So, if you're into that... Come find us. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Podomatic. Beefispodcast.net if you are into baseball history. And I believe this episode, we're contractually obligated to bring up the Bud Miles show. Yes. Bud Miles show on Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. Soon appearing in Dallas for a meeting with the president. Big news there for him. Which is cool. I mean, I, he's, you know, he's done his time. And where can we find all those podcasts? Beer City Motherfucking Media. Or just Beer City Media. Yeah, I would minus the motherfucker. <laughs> Check it's, it out. If you like us, there's Comic- probably at least... We would have just gone to Comic-Con. Yeah, right? this okay. is post. Yeah, fuck that, though. If we met you at Comic-Con... Thank you. Smoochie boochies. Thanks for hanging out. It was so cool. We had the best time. You, you were great. have the best cologne nerd, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The best colon nerd. <laughs> you have the, the best, best colon. colon nerd. We have the best colon. <laughs> Our nerds have the best colons. <laughs> it's filled oh, with Rice Krispie treats and gummy worms. Of course it is. It's just, yeah. So, 
Thank you. And I just want to say, as we go into this Halloween season, we're super excited for you to get Oogie spooked. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this next episode because it's going to be a a banger. Anybody have anything they want to add for this episode before we close it out? Infect me. I'm thinking a good ZZ Zambibi. (laughs) It's all request live. ZZ Zambibi. Yeah. Jesus Lord. Can I get an eh? What am I doing? <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week on another episode of Pizza. You're going to have an episode. of Beer City Media.